0: to give the Negro any land. Through an act of Congress, our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that. They provided county agents to further their expertise in farming. Not only that, they provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, today, many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies not to farm, and they are the very people telling the black man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. This is what we are faced with. And this is the reality. Now, when we come to Washington in this campaign, we are coming to get our
1: check. What up, what up? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy Emmanuel I'm back in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up and you are now tuned into episode 104. Big salute to everyone who tuned in last week. Big salute to Kara Cooney. Uh, I thank you for your information just an amazing interview overall if you have not listened to episode 103 on Egyptology do yourself a favor listen to it very informational very entertaining just a dope episode for sure now this episode right here man I got my guy Oba. we we were recording at cable at the radio station here in Portland Southeast Portland and uh man this is probably the first of its kind I want to say as far as what I've done with socks and sandals or what I'm attempting to do is break down conversations just vintage conversations and when I say vintage like <laughs> 60s and 70s you know so um, just kind of like a uh, I used to take articles and read and react with Mondo so in this situation we're gonna listen and react and uh, just hearing what folks was talking about man black leaders black spokespeople black revolutionaries from the 60s and 70s and just other types of content that that i'll be able to just take and will listen and react and just kind of relate it to what's going on right now so i hope y'all enjoy this man as as much as i enjoy recording i hope y'all enjoy listening uh listening to it so if you want to hit me up twitter or instagram it's the same joint letters SX and Sierra x-ray Sierra in no- November Delta Lima Sierra I know that's kind of confusing but SX s and dls or just hit me up socks and sandals podcast at gmail.com or my personal Instagram Emmanuel since 85 without further ado let's get into the episode
2: we in here mm. Gotta let this ride mm. <laughs> Imagine Maybach music. Ma- 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 ma-
1: <laughs> imagine gigs on this, bro.
2: <laughs> Nothing, check. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. We supercharged, Joe I can't really hear myself oh yeah you will soon okay you will soon cause we gotta let we gotta let the we gotta let the choir rock my we gotta bad, let the choir something man you know what I'm saying let me get out the way uh we should've let <laughs> uh ladies and gentlemen guys and girls people of all everything's, race, color, creeds genders apparently um just whatever whatever you're coming from whatever you're doing stop and pay very very close attention to exactly what's going on right now cause this is gonna be part of your future your presence um, this is Oba you know and one thing I've been doing lately is going by my own name as opposed to i'm I'm, I'm done with the k dot I'm done with the DJ some guy I'm done with the whatever whoever I'm trying to be and be the person that I you know have no choice but to be. Mm. That's who I am, and that's what I'm bringing to you this day (laughs) on this very, very special occasion. We have none other. Fresh off his, fresh off his Egyptian tour, whoa! Fresh off the tour of Nubia and modern day Egypt, we have in the studio Mr. Socks and Sandals himself. Without, yeah, Mr. Socks and Sandals himself, Mr. Emmanuel Williams, digital claps, digital claps. What's going down, man? The Socks
1: and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. This is your guy Emmanuel. I'm not in the kitchen. I'm at KBOO, man. Hey, you know what? I thought we should call this place. What's up?
2: The Collaboratory.
1: The Collaboratory. I like that.
2: I just came up with that this I morning. I like, yo. like that. That's clever. Thank you, man. That's clever. Thank you. man. The Collaboratory. we in the Collaboratory right Ooh. now. Man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Uh and I think this is gonna be the beginning of a really, really uh on a really delightful ongoing that's not even the beginning, man. We've been doing this before y'all. This ain't is this ain't nothing thank new. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. But
1: this format of of episode, I know I haven't done it for Socks and Sandals. I
2: have not done that for uh Effable Radio or uh Purple Thursdays yet as well. Word. So this format is definitely gonna be brand new. And um yeah, Vibe does work with us through this. This is gonna be really interesting. What we're gonna do today. Uh, Emmanuel, if you don't mind introducing a little bit of the topic, and I'll and yeah, I'll man. It So off.
1: this this is a this video is between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin. A
2: young Nikki Giovanni, young too. Nikki. She
1: was in her twenties. She mm-hmm. was like what 20, 20, 27, 28 or something okay. like that yeah, at the 26, time. 28 somewhere. Something right. somewhere. I, it might. I think it was an it was an even number, so it was either twenty six or okay. Okay.
2: So, uh, but and yeah, Baldwin man. was in his fifties, if I'm not mistaken. Either forties,
1: forties. 40? She's he she's, was like forty eight because she said her dad was fifty five. And he was seven years younger. So gotcha. I'm just, I think that the math is correct. Thank you, sir. You know what I mean? I've watched this a, a, a <laughs> few times, bro. But yeah, so this was a this was a conversation that they had. They were in London at the time. Uh, it was recorded in like 71 or 72, something like that. And it was just a dope conversation. It's two hours. And what brought me to it was there was a viral clip of
3: Nick. Of course you can lie to me. And you will. If you love me and you're going off with Maddie someplace, you're lying to me. Cause what the hell do I care about the truth? I care if you're there. What Billie Holiday say, hush now, don't explain.
4: All right, I accept that. Of course, of course you lie to me. I don't
3: even wanna care, what what does the truth matter? And why are you gonna be truthful with me when you lie to everybody else? You lied when you smiled at that cracker down the job, right? Lie to me, smile. Treat me the same way you would treat him. I can't treat you you the way treat him. You must, you must. Because I've caught the frowns and the anger He's happy with you. Of course he doesn't know you're unhappy. You grin at him all day long. You come home and I catch you Because I love you. I get least of you. I get, I get the very minimum. And I'm saying, you know, fake it with me. Is that too much of the black woman to ask of the black man?
2: That is... Uh, wow. That th- <sighs> how many years ago was this? 40 years ago? 50 plus. How can you argue with that sentiment? Or I guess
1: 40 something. My bad. Go ahead.
2: How could, you, how could that sentiment be off? I totally understand what she's saying. Yeah, but also that means we're on all the time. Mm. That means where is my re- my pressure release valve going to be? Yeah, can I can I can I go somewhere for three or four days by myself? Is that all right for me to be able to just like you know what I mean? And if you need to, are we like but where, the the context of that conversation. We can't. That that doesn't. I mean, I guess
1: it does apply today, but the context of what she was talking about. No, you man in the 70s, you can't go off for three or four days. There's nowhere for you to go.
2: Mm.
1: Okay, And that's what James was talking about. So we're going to get into it. We're going to get to that point. <laughs> we're going to get to that point. But this conversation was so rich. And I feel like all the things that they were talking about definitely applies to today, 40, 50 years later. And the the dynamic of the black man and the black woman's relationship
2: what i loved about this conversation in that in that specific dynamic Mm -hmm. was james baldwin was never um the representative of patriarchy because he suffered from male domination as well he wasn't able to have his sexual freedom in this country.
1: You know what I mean? He wasn't the representative, but he was.
2: But he, represent- because he said baby like 133 yeah. times to her, man. I saw that and I, it, yeah. I, it made me cringe. But also we, we don't That's know what times. it's like. That's the times. That's the times. That's what it is. You that- can't
1: judge him and say he was a uh, whatever. He was toxic for calling her right.
2: baby. And this is, a, this is a, a powerful woman who had no problem. Yo, let's cut this. Hey, Amen cut it down on the babies mm-hmm. she also understood that he is a product of his times as well and but she knew was, that he wasn't malicious in his yeah, intent very well said very yeah. well said so I think that intent and policing language never gets a conversation like this had we never are able to really dig deep into what people are saying because of how people are saying different things. Yeah, And I don't know if you guys are listening to I've listened to the last episode of Effable Radio, but there is a little bit of contention when it comes to saying things right versus furthering a conversation. Yeah. If you don't say it right, you will get potentially canceled and canceled by those that want to freedom of speech <laughs> mm. by the same people that are advocating for first amendment rights are the people that are going to police your language and they will mute you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Cancel mute. Absolutely. Censor. And, and where would your, it's like spending, it's like spending time in prison and then coming out and being a felon. Where is your time to society? Where's your learned process? Okay. I've done this. I know not to do this anymore can I move on from this Mm. I've paid my penance but no it'll always be referenced back and that's the dangerous thing about this internet age Um, but I don't want to get too far away from the conversation at hand and saying where is she wrong let's bring that to to, to today whoa let's bring this to today
1: where is is Nikki wrong where is Nikki wrong in this is she wrong okay that's that's the question is she wrong okay so let so I don't I don't want to frame it as a right or wrong okay because it's relative okay so I I do want people to have an open mind with this conversation because there are people that are going to – it's going to resonate. Like what Ricky, what Nikki says is going to resonate with a, a lot of people, especially women. And then what James says is going to resonate with men. But there's going to be both sides. Like there's parts where I don't think Nikki is wrong. And I think James is kind of like, all right, bro, like just let her live with mm. her comments because he's correct. But I don't, I don't want to steer you guys' – Um, Your ideas or your conclusions I want you to listen we're going to react And then just just Vibe with us on this just vibe with the the conversation
2: And can I also before we get Really really far into This um, conversation I just wanted to liken it again um, Between the Steve Harvey uh, Conversation that he had with Monique and the clip that We took from her and saying Where is the I don't know what you're going to call it I, we know, we're not even gonna go there yet. We're we're not even gonna go there. Instead, we're gonna we're gonna focus on this and see where we go with these clips. Um, yeah. so that was the first clip that we had. And t- t- tell me, like James Baldwin was stunned, bro. He was. He was. His, at- his mouth
1: was open. He was just like <laughs> he oh. was trying to, because he had a he had a rebuttal for everything. But at for- that point in time, he Thank definitely you. had to let her just. Thank you just get get her get her stuff off
2: because that was uh, really really commendable man yeah I, I really saw that and I said yo he that's un-, and, and it showed that they weren't there to debate each other oh not at all it showed that they really were there to have a conversation that he really was like "I, I how do I lie to you how, how do I lie to you how do I pretend to be this person to you when I have to pretend everywhere else in my life am I just gonna have a life of this mm can you liken that to the marriage that you're in right now? Is there a, do you use your significant other as your pressure relief valve? Or is there a, is there something that you have to save for when you get home? I can't give work everything. I can't give my passions, everything. I I try not to talk
1: about work at home. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't like talking about work at home, but I realize it's all about, you know, your significant other. So, if they want to hear about that and they want to know all about your day, then you should give that to them. And that's one thing that I'm starting to learn, you know, a couple of years into the marriage is like she wants to hear that. Like even you know, the she,
2: insignificant things. She just wants. To she hear. just
1: wants to hear. She just wants to know. And um and I'm the I, like, I don't want to talk about work. And to be honest, I don't want to hear too much about your job. I don't like I, there's other things I want to talk about.
2: Couples therapy in my in my collegiate relationship, couples therapy, um, made me realize that that isn't fair for me to put on, that, for me to put what I want. Compromise, it, I don't know how to say compromise because I felt like somebody has to lose in that situation specifically when i told her i got off work and she worked at a nail salon when she got off work she came and i was like let's talk about anything in the world not the last six hours that we were doing something Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. let's talk about whatever ideas we were coming up with at work or what Mm -hmm. this reminded us of and let's let's figure out something new but i just i couldn't do that because that's what she wanted that's how she wanted to connect in this relationship Mm -hmm. so i had to i had to take that l and start writing things down to be like oh, okay this will be interesting you know to talk about at least i could do that if i'm going to have to talk about my day let me find little bits of my day that i could actually enjoy talking about as opposed to having this like
1: oh well see the, the road that you're going down is it, that could start a whole nother conversation cuz i got a lot to say about that I, briefly cuz i want to get into this but okay. cuz there's okay. so much is a long is a long conversation between James and Nikki and it's so rich but i will say uh, if you look at it in the relationship of wins and losses, you lost. Period. It's over. Or it's not over, <laughs> but it's like, it's not going... So I'm the, looking at my record. My, my record
2: doesn't mean anything anymore.
1: It's not going in the right direction. So if you, yeah. if we, as people, are looking at compromise as a as a win-loss thing, which it, it, it isn't, um, then we, we don't have a proper understanding of compromise. Uh, or a proper understanding of you know what it is to serve your mate hmm. like we you talk about or we talk about you know the the teachings of jesus in a spiritual way you know jesus was a servant you know
2: no i definitely understand so he, he
1: came to serve he said i didn't I, I came to serve i did not come to be served you know and so as a if you take that spiritually you know you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church or sacrifice. So everything that you do for your mate is supposed to be sacrificial. This, you're not supposed to look at it. What, what can I get out of it? It's like, what, what can I, can I do? What can I give? Hmm. Because you, you, you get because you give.
2: And that works outside of relationships. That too. works
1: outside. That works in everything. That's yeah, why people, that people in business book. learn that you can't get unless you give. You have to give. Gary Vaynerchuk, jab, 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 right hook. So you got to give, 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 give. And then you go for the ask. And then when you ask, it's not like some greedy thing or like people are looking at you like, why are you asking me that? It's like when you ask after you've given so much, it's like, of course, like I've been (laughs) I've been waiting to pay you back. Like you've given me so much. Of course, I'll give to you. Okay. The same reason why same reason why the Bhagwan gives people a whole new way of life. He gave them. A blueprint of living when he asks, yo, can you sell your house for me? Bro, I need this money. Of course I'll give you my house. Like my life is totally different because of everything that you've given me. So when you ask, when you give that much, people are going to reciprocate. And so same thing in in a relationship. If you give, give, Hmm. give, you'll eventually get what you want because but you don't have to ask for it all the time. But when you do ask, oh, they'll be waiting. They can't wait. To give to you what give. you asked for, because you've already given so much. And that's the whole re- reciprocation of marriage. But that's the reciprocation of life, to be honest. Right. You know, just You give your kids the world, and then when you become old and incapacitated, they're going to do everything they can sure. for you. And that's just what it is. But if you don't give your kids everything, then they grow up with that resentment. And so when it comes time to taking care of you when you get old, it's like, mm, well— it's a little. Key they, US
2: Plaza looks dope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they'll do it begrudgingly. Yeah, put you in a home right. and all that type of stuff. Right. All
2: that, yeah. So, hmm. well, I wanna, I wanna go on to the uh, to our. This wasn't really the first clip, but our first official clip is just a couple minutes, and it starts um, early on.
1: Um, yeah, it talks in about the like the the oppression of the world and the repression that we do to ourselves is deep. Hmm. So it's, I think it's James, right?
4: and the terrible situation in which all of us find ourselves, it is, one thing has changed, and that is the attitude that black people have toward themselves. Now, within that change, I don't want to be romantic about it, a great deal of confusion and coherence, you know, will will go on for a very long time, (laughs) you know, but that was inevitable. Mm -hmm. That moment had to come too, you know, and everybody's put us now, what I was trying for myself, after all, first of all, to, elucidate for myself a theology and the effects of a theology which I at that moment realized I carried in myself. Mm-hmm. You know it was not the world that was my oppressor only because what the world does to you if the world does it to you long enough and effectively enough you begin to do it to, do yourself. It to
2: yourself.
4: You become a collaborator an accomplice of your own murderers mm-hmm. because you believe the same things they do. No, you think it's. They think it's important to be white, and you think it's important to be white. Mm-hmm. They think it's shameful to be black, and you think it's shameful to be black. And you have no corroboration around you of any other sense of life. You know, all those corroborations which are around you, are in terms of the white majority standards, so deplorable. Before we move,
2: before we move on, you pause it. Yes. Okay.
1: So let's let's react to that initially, man. Like.
2: <laughs> it was funny. I was talking to somebody just yesterday about the Willie Lynch letters. Mm. And every time you bring up the Willie Lynch letters, the first, what's the first response that you get from people? I don't really talk about it that often. Oh, how, man, I always try to bring it up just because of how poignant it is. But I always tell people, yeah, as soon as we start talking about it, whoever has any previous knowledge of it, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, they say that that's fake. You know that they say that that hasn't, that didn't really happen. And what I Or that
1: the person that wrote it was a, a black man. Oh, is that right? And not even really Willie.
2: We're not even not even really really listen yeah. to you. <laughs> Silly, really really. Um, what I thought what I thought was always interesting is the fact that whether or not the person existed, mm-hmm. the ideas and sentiments have been enacted. Facts. So who who cares about the letters? Who cares about the person coming from the the Caribbean to come to America to teach these people these things? Everything that's in those letters has been enacted in American history. Mm -hmm. And these things are very much still going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Early on in Minister Farrakhan's career, he would talk about how when you look on TV, the, the commercials are white. Your, your principal is white. The police officer is white. All these different things. And it subconsciously makes you, if you're not on TV, you're inferior. And mm. if you're if you're white and you're on TV, then if you're black and you're not on TV, those are polar opposites. Right. So it creates an inferiority complex that really doesn't get talked about enough in this country when it comes to socialization in American culture. Mm. And I think that. In all things we become our, we become our, 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 our oppressors. You have to in order for this system to work the way it does, for there to be less than one percent of people having all these different things, we have to police ourselves at the end of the day.
1: But when it comes to the one percent, but also but, well he I don't think he's talking about like the one percent, the upper, whatever, the oligarchs, he's just talking about black people. Okay. So we become our own oppressors.
2: control period. Whether it's in a whether it's in a concentration camp, whether it's in a, a ghetto, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's in Mobile, Alabama, you know what I mean? Whether it's in a boonies, like there is a there is an oppression that happens that is exactly the same. And it doesn't have to do with color. It has to do with control. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I do wanna keep this conversation within our community, but we have to know that it's larger than the community when it comes to these these uh, these tools of control. You know what I mean? I get, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, and that's, that's the only point that I wanted to make and there in there and saying mm-hmm. that that is, that is how I always think, like, how in the world can you fight this system when this system has hundreds of years of research and development mm-hmm. before you, I'm gonna play uh, th- a clip next that talks about Nicky's like, "Yo, this is his game. He's been studying us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? White America has been studying black. White people have been studying every other culture way longer than any culture has been studying white culture. Mm-hmm. And all these all these other cultures have a lot more history for white people to study than what we have for of white people. So how how do we how do we fight against this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it really just educating yourself and creating something that? What 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 where 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 do you go with this kind of information? Where do you go from what James James Baldwin is saying right now?
1: Well, based upon what he was just saying, like we become a, a collaborator basically of our own destruction. And uh, he was talking to he was speaking on theology, and you know, so if if you believe what your oppressor believes, then you are oppressing yourself. No doubt, you know. And so he said that back in the seventies, as a man going into his fifties. <laughs> and so his his experience like he knows what he's talking about
2: no doubt, man. and this was really this was up 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 yeah, yeah. How, how about that
1: yeah now I can hear myself okay. for sure yeah. yeah so he knows what he's talking about and it's just I find that I find that still it's still a struggle today like we still don't realize how much we oppress ourselves with the things that we believe so like what you're saying with Willie Lynch with colorism Light skin, dark skin, like those same battles that we have among the black community, because that's what that's that's what they're talking about. They're not talking about the royal, they're just, they're just talking black and white. And so, taking that discussion, that black and white discussion from 1971 to 2019, how different is it? How far have we come? How far have we really come? If we still have the same sentiments and and we still have the similar misunderstandings. You know? It's just to me it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, bro, that they can talk about that right now and we can talk about it and it's it's still the same thing going on.
2: Even for like we think about a crazy president, Russia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Russia mm-hmm. is America's number one, you know, enemy and all these everything. things. This is definitely fifty years ago all over again, man. But yeah. Let me let me uh, let me continue the rest of this the rest of this clip because I think that this is uh
4: this is good stuff right here Yeah. they frighten you to death you don't eat watermelon No, you get so rigid you can't dance you know you can hardly move by the time you're 14 mm-hmm. you know you're always scrubbed and shining you know a parody of God knows what because you know, no white person has mm-hmm. been you know as clean as you, <laughs> as clean as you have been forced to become yeah, it's and, you know, and you got somehow to begin to break out of all of that and try to become yourself you know, mm-hmm. it's hard for anybody, but it's very hard if you're born black in a white society. Hard because you've got to divorce yourself from the standards of that society. Mm-hmm. The danger of your generation, if I may say so, you know, we will pursue this like no. you like. You know, <laughs> is to substitute one romanticism for another.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, because in fact.
3: That's the, he knows me better. Because his game is running. Mine's not. And that's what I've sort of always disagreed with your generation on. As long as his game is running, he obviously knows me because he's... he's I'm playing. You understand? He said jump and I'm saying how hi, high. Yeah. He knows me.
4: You may be right, but I would put it another way. I would, I would, put it, I would, I would suggest that since his game is running, he hasn't got to know you. Because his game is running.
2: I thought that that was something to really bring light to because I didn't know which way to... Um I didn't know which way to discuss that. On one end she says because the only reason his game can run is because he knows us so well. And James retorts by saying he doesn't know you at all because his game is running and he hasn't needed to know you. You know what I mean? Us as people, us as a collective, us as a culture, especially in America. Which way do you which way do you sway on that? Um I think he does know us
1: better than we know ourselves and that's why He's able to do what he does to us. Um, The notion of white supremacy is all mental. Initially, right? So initially, the white man believes in his mind that he's greater than you because he is a Christian and he is a man of God and you are subhuman you have color in your skin. You are subservient. And God made you that way. And so because he believes that. And he acts on it. And he's successful in his endeavors of enslaving you. And, and basically in his mind, he's saving you. He's giving you his religion. So he's doing a service to God. By giving you Jesus. And taking you away from whatever religion or whatever you thought you believed to be true, and and, and he's successful at it. So because he's successful at dominating you, he's smarter than you. You, okay. you see what I'm saying? Um, that's that's the way I see it. So I I, I, I agree with Nikki. He knows us better than we know ourselves.
2: I think that he has studied a version of you that he was able to this system has studied a version of people that they were able to control by disconnecting them from their history. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to deal with the people that they that are connected with their history. They this system doesn't know how to work on people that have a sense of self, a sense of purpose. A sense of where you are and how you fit into this world. It still works. It works against Vietnam. It works against China.
1: It works against every other continent that still has their own culture.
2: And these, and but see again, and Africa that, these, that has its own culture. Even within all of these different uh, countries and that continent, there is still a separation. I have sisters South in Nigeria. Nigerians know who they are. Say, listen, man. I have sisters in Nigeria right now who don't know how to speak their native language mm-hmm. who don't want to speak their native language who think of nothing more than having and living the life of western society mm-hmm. these people don't know who they are even with, even with all the commercials that look black even with everything because America's number one export right now is hope that they don't even consider what they have in their own backyard valuable, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm saying that the disconnect is really, really powerful. Because I'm looking at them and I'm saying, if you have an understanding of your language and of who you are and where you're going, you can go anywhere and you'll be good. This has nothing to this. This is a, this is a system of control that, again, I think is more leaning towards taking away your sense of power of self. Taking away your autonomy, taking away your sense, because there are plenty of people that even grow up in this system of white supremacy and still do great things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm listening to a lot of motivational speakers that I've never listened to before. And these people have a way of seeing the world that is more than color. Oh, for sure. But it's very much still, I understand what has been done to me because of my color. Mm-hmm. But I will never, I, I won't, I won't, maybe I won't, ha- I won't be a, a, a hundred millionaire. But I'll be a 50 million. I'll be a 75 million. Maybe I have to work a little harder. Well, what I'm getting at
1: is it didn't get this way because people didn't know. Like there was a point where everybody knew who they were. But then a white man came in and they still mentally like they it's not like they outnumbered anybody. They just outsmarted.
2: They they were strategy and intelligence aren't the same. man. You can't say you're smarter than me because you duped me.
1: But that's the point of duping. You but got outsmarted. It's like it's it's no different than in, in football. Like who like you can have I mean, it's, it's a combination of like you have great athletes, you have great people that can do great things. But who has the smartest mind, who has the best strategy, who knows how to outsmart? the competition who knows how to disguise their defense so when a a quarterback comes up to a line of scrimmage he thinks it's blitz but it's really a zone and so when he throws it to somebody cutting across the middle he didn't realize that somebody was going to drop back because he what he's seen was blitz you know what i mean so so the person doing the deceiving in my opinion the person doing the deceiving has outsmarted the other person who is being deceived so
2: deceptive okay all right. you see what I'm saying? I but I'm trying to I'm trying to avoid making the correlation between intelligence and and like deception. Well, you know what I'm saying? Intelligence. Like that's slippery... I'm not. Well, I mean, I don't. I, intelligence is irrelevant right now. Well, the white man isn't smarter than us. The white white people aren't smarter than black people. White people aren't smarter. Like, there is no group of people on this planet that's smarter than any other group of this planet. Now, if there is somebody who has. Yeah, and who, so who that, that's started, what I'm saying, and intelligence race. Is, is irrelevant. Right, but when you say they, when you say white man is smarter than us because of what he's been able to accomplish in this world, I'm not saying because you tricked me doesn't make you smarter than me. Because I fell for one of your tricks, mm-hmm. it doesn't make you smarter than me. And mm-hmm. now that was such a trick that I just, you know what I mean? because I mean, because you tripped me on this 10-mile race. But it's,
1: but it's not like we've been tricked at one point in time. It's like, oh, I caught on to you. All right, that's not going to happen again. It's like... We've been tricked so hard. They've done it so well. Right. It's so refined right. that now we're doing it to ourselves.
2: And that again isn't that. that it's because they had the the head start on that strategy. If we had both started out saying, "I'm going to take It's like playing chess, right? If I'm playing chess with you, I'm looking to take your king at the exact same time you're looking to take my king. What what I'm learning about this system that we're living in right now mm-hmm. is they started playing chess with people who didn't even know that they were playing chess. You Mm -hmm. get what I mean by that? So you have a head start in your strategy against how to take all my pieces when I didn't even know I had an enemy yet. I didn't even know I had somebody working towards my destruction. And Mm -hmm. that's what I'm learning now. And so in these last 10 years of my life, as we're listening to people like Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin and plenty of other people who've given us an understanding of the society that we live in and looking to live above and outside of that society, how do you... Still, capitulate to the strategies and the tricks of that society when you know how to move in it a little better would you still say that you're a victim of white supremacy when you know the pitfalls and when you know how to unlearn the things that you're learning or the things that you have learned my,
1: my level of intelligence or learning or education does not um does not minimize or supersede me being a victim of white supremacy me being, I was born a victim of white, white supremacy. Okay, right, I was right. born into this because of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> no, not because of ignorance, because it because it exists. Because because white people, the the white supremacists dominate every area of activity. They they already they already dominated before I got here. Right. So the the structures have been in place. So I'm I'm a victim of it because of when I've been born at this po- at this point in time in in the world. So if if the white supremacists control Economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, war. If they already control everything that has to do with all those parts of activity among people. I'm here. I'm a victim. Not and and not to say I'm a victim as if I can't overcome that individually in my life, but just on in a broader scope, I'm thrust into this world that is dominated by this type of person. So that's all I'm saying
2: and is your education taking you out of that system?
1: It's not taking me out of the system, but I don't I don't have to live under the victimhood. I can rise above it. Now my people, people of color, will still be victimized by the system because the system is in effect. It's not just a thought and idea. Now it's like a physical thing like it's on paper like people live their lives based upon it. So it's something that you're always going to rise above and overcome. And it's something that I can't, what I'm starting to realize, I can't focus on it day in and day out. And, you know, I don't even have to focus on it. Like, it is it is what it is. So now it's time now to Now that elevate. I know it exists. Now that I know it exists, really? Just elevate. Don't be don't be duped. (laughs) Don't be deceived. Don't think that. Oh, I thought we were in a post-racial society. Why is racism? I hate when people say, why is it in 2017? What in 2019? This is still happening. What do you look? It's always going to happen. It's been happening and it's not going to stop just because of the year change. Yes. (laughs) Yes,
2: And so once
1: so once we get out of that mindset of thinking that, oh, well, just over time, all this stuff is just going to go away. No, it doesn't just go away over time. Hmm. Hmm. You have to work towards it. You have to actually know that it exists, and then you have to attempt to eliminate it.
2: Yes. You got that good hair,
0: too. You like what? I like girls with that light complexion
2: look. Oh. What clip is this?
0: You're a moron. <laughs> I can't help it. What, being a moron? Yeah, that too. You're the first one out there with a dashiki talking that crap.
1: I'm
0: a victim. Good hair. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no
1: brother. <laughs> you're a victim. Yeah. I'm a victim up. of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my condition.
2: Mm-hmm. Even yeah, my conditioning, conditioning has been, been conditioned. Yo, that is one of the greatest. <laughs> that is one of the greatest intros to a song I've ever heard. What movie is that from? That is from. I don't know what movie it's from. That's a really good question. But oh, this is the song man. I heard it on. I'm gonna know what Talib Kweli and Most Deaf. Black star, brown skinned
1: mm. lady. Don't play that for too long. Sound <laughs> called a, a catch. Us. <laughs> catch us? Yeah.
2: Oh good, it's gonna be in the background anyway. Um I'm gonna pause this so we can get it. I didn't
4: like them. You know, I love likeable well, well there's two ain't, people that but are they unlikable. Ain't likeable, I mean, there's two know.
3: people in the world that's not likable, a master and a slave.
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. You see? Exactly. You no, know, we will never never, never, never get you know, get precise categories for what? that very loaded statement. <laughs> you know. But that but that that is where the truth is.
2: Mm. Mm. That is what, yeah that is, uh, is and one thing I noticed about being in environments that maybe you didn't come up in or environments that don't look like you mm. is that there is a savior mentality from somebody in the majority environment um, and that is one thing that I find really problematic in places that I've lived that aren't majority black is that they're looking to help the black community in that in that in that, uh, in that environment um, like Portland Okay Portland only Portland doesn't want to help black people it only want to helps a certain mindset no mm. matter what your color is expand so if your mindset is that of um, doing away with the old and trying to do something radically new trying to um, change things and trying to make something that's unprecedented Portland is all about helping you tear down whatever you know what I mean whatever it, what structures are in mind now if you're looking to kind of Use what has been learned previously, whether it be religion, whether it be all these talks of spirituality, and try to use that to change the things that have been going on. I think that that is um, that is met with resistance. And again, my. my I'm my,
1: not following exactly where you're going, exactly.
2: My, my latest example of that is I, I, I take it back to my transphobic um, conversation online. Okay. Oh, uh, my transphobic conversation at Avable Radio. Right. Um, now, when I was talking about uh, matching with a trans person mm-hmm. on a, an online dating app, I said, I want to talk about that because I wanted to show preference without showing discrimination. I wanted to say, I like this, but that doesn't mean that I hate that. Mm. And I talked about my experience, talked about how I felt, and then afterwards I spoke on a... I look. I researched an article mm. that specifically said da- tools for dating, you know, one-on-one for a black man, how to have preference without being transphobic. Mm. And then I went through the article on my radio show, live on air, yeah. went through four topics. I said, okay, make sure that your preferences are something that you actually prefer and not things that are just fed to you. Mm. You like this because that's what other people say that you're supposed to like. And, you know, all these different topics. For sure. And so I've been able to say, okay, well, let me make sure that I know not to do this before anything else yeah it was never supposed To be an attacking show It was never supposed To be a show We had callers That called in We even had a call That I called in For like 15 minutes Talking about You know All the different resources That I could use In the cable community To be able to Have that conversation With somebody and I'm like yeah Before I even have A conversation I need to know What I believe I need to make sure That I'm not being Discriminatory mm-hmm. So that I can then Have that conversation With somebody else But oh no That's not how cable Looked at it mm-hmm. Whoever was listening At the time Sent a really scathing Email to the representative Or to the management Of cable mm-hmm. And cable Listened to the show And they didn't. Tell taken upon themselves to tell that person we have a radio station this person doesn't seem to be malicious this person has no malintent about the community that they're talking about Mm -hmm. we need to be able to foster these conversations Mm -hmm. no instead kbu saw somebody reacted and wanted to you know feed into that Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that that is satisfied As opposed to having the inconvenient conversation of, hey, this is a place where, you know, thoughts and ideas are are expressed and exchanged and they don't always have to be politically correct. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is where I say this community does not have the conversation in mind. It only has we have to start doing this from this point from this point of view. And it's really, really frustrating. It's really limiting. And I see that when it comes to the master slave uh, dynamic Mm -hmm. is that I don't. You're either going to look like me and be like, act like me, even though I know you're not like me. I'll help you. The ones that are trying to be as like previously in the clip where he was talking mm-hmm. about, you know, black people are they shine their shoes wider than on any white person. Whatever shine their shoes, they have mm-hmm. to work twice as hard, blah blah blah. And a third, mm-hmm. but you'll never have that that status. Right. So it's just like, what are where you? What are you even? What are you even dancing for? What are you? Even right? Why for, are you
1: trying thing? to assimilate?
2: Why are you trying to assimilate? But then we can take this to the Steve Harvey clip again. Did you listen to that clip at all?
1: No, nah, I don't. I don't, I don't want, any
2: part of it. The, yeah. We're not going to convolute the two. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't
1: want to get into that because I have no knowledge, anything of that. So I want to speak on that.
2: Tell me about the master slave dynamic between people in this country.
1: Yeah, man. Um, well, man, I'll, I'll speak on just what what she said. She said there are two people in this world that are not likable. A master and a slave. So I oh, think,
2: oh, not likable, not to each other, but yeah, not likable to society period. at large. No, oh. she's just saying
1: the way that she sees it. There are two people that are not likable: a master and a slave. So I think it's it's pretty easy to know why she would say, "I don't like a master" because a, a master is somebody who wants to dominate you and mistreat you. You know, and so and then, but then there's the slave who capitulates to the master and doesn't think for themselves, And, and that, and that person will just do and follow directly after the master. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when Harriet Tubman, when she wanted to free her people and some of them said, I could have freed a hundred more. I could have freed a hundred more if they knew that they were enslaved. So that's, I think that's what Nikki is getting towards. Like, you can't, like, even a slave is, even though that person is a victim, at a certain point, and it kind of goes back to what she said earlier if you're victimizing yourself, or if you don't even take the time to think of what's being done to you, and you don't realize that it's wrong, and you just think that this is how life is supposed to be, and I come to you with some knowledge, like, hey, man, we are being victimized. Like, we should not be living like this. There's so much more to life than this plantation but then they come back to me and like yo I I's doing good on this plantation. Well my family's from this plantation. Yeah, we three we, generations in exactly. this plantation. I grew up in this house, my grandmother grew mm-hmm. up in this house. I gave birth to my son in this we house. We ain't leaving. We this, ain't going over this, this this home. This home. And now it's yeah. just like yo I can't stand you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to make you free. Like I'm trying to let you know that we can live a better life. There's so much more. But I can't rock with you.
2: So you, a master and a slave is like one and the same. Mentally. And I also think that the conversation between the two can't be on a likable uh, term as well. Uh, there's no way that even even there's no way that I can like you if I am dominating you. Right. There's no way that when I when I think of like, I also think of respect. I also think of being able to regard you positively i'm about to say you can like but
1: you you can't have a proper reciprocal respect because how could you do that because, with, how could because, you have that without because, liking? because uh oh man i'm sure a lot of owners liked some of the people that that they dominated just like just like your your employer likes you as long as you're producing for him
2: mm, okay i see that
1: like i worked in a sales environment and so like they love you when you're making the money of course but if you're not making the money you're being a problem it's the same thing in sports. They love you when you scoring touchdowns and you winning championships, but let you have one bad year. You know what I mean? Which, you, no, you know, like everybody, no one likes you when you're throwing four interceptions per game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Especially, well, if you're doing it for free, they don't mind. Not when not, that bad but, but
1: that's what I'm saying. You can you can like someone that you're uh, that you employ or that you're a master of, but then as soon as you start giving them lip or you start talking to the media wrong and you're representing the masters corporation or the master's team or whatever the wrong way. Right. I don't like you anymore. Right. I'm going to trade you or I'm going to cut you. Huh. So I I feel like it's the same way with slavery is just another type of dynamic like that.
2: I will I will agree with that for sure, man. We're, I'll agree. Uh our next clip. You know, I, mean
4: world, that's what I know.
3: So you take for like you all the question has been morals. You know, I never wanted to be the most moral person in the world. I agree. I, you. I would like I mean, I would sell my soul. You know what I mean? What yeah, is the but- profit of man to gain the world and, and lose his soul? The mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: I love that. That was one of my favorite clips in this entire mm. conversation. Really, really, because it it talked about if we're really here to do whatever work we're supposed to be here for, how could I possibly be even how could I even sell my soul? You know what I'm saying? If I'm here to be doing the work that I'm going to be doing, sell my soul to gain the world, I still am gaining the world. And I think, that that's, highly, I, I think that's highly profitable. I think that, that is, that's an exchange that I really, really have a difficult time in arguing against, um, mainly because there is a value in what you give up. There's always a sacrifice. And the larger the sacrifice, the larger the potential gain. But what does it mean— To sell your soul
1: and and how you understand what she's saying. Like, what do you think she's saying when she says, I'll sell my soul if I can gain the world. If I I can gain the world. Yeah.
2: I think of. You know, I think of people like Oprah. I think of people like Nelson Mandela. Mm. I think of really, really people that have dealt really inconvenient hands, but have done something for a great reward. So, the Mandela effect is really interesting. Have we spoken about the Mandela effect before? You and I know, but you but you're aware of the Mandela for sure. effect for sure so that that how they how they transferred the the energy from liberation to liberate nelson mm-hmm. that was that was trickery in its finest right there mm-hmm. and I think that in order to go along with that, that is the selling of the soul because trickery mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. if you're gaining off of tripping somebody else up that's selling your soul but if I'm if I'm gaining over you know whatever whatever uh, t- whatever Uncle Tom is in the game right now mm-hmm. if I'm tripping them up in order to get to get past them all right let me get past them and I'll do what with the world what I will do and hopefully I'll set you know what I mean I'll set a better example or whatever because I don't think that there's you always will have redemption no matter what move you make no matter what deal you make you can always redeem yourself from that deal so I don't think that there's ever a selling of the soul that'll just be, you know, you're, you're written off. You'll never be the same person you are again. I think to a certain level, you know, Jay-Z may have sold his soul to be able to do certain things. Michael Jordan may have sold his soul to, do, to, do, to, to be certain things, mm-hmm. to to have a, to have st- stocks in the military industrial complex, to have sweatshops in China, you know what I mean, with his logo on it. Mm-hmm. But to still be a black man that shows children determination. He's written books that are really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. His drive, his discipline—these are things of legend, and these are things I wouldn't have really gave too much about if I didn't know his legacy. So I, I don't, I, I don't fault the villain sometimes because you, you, you know, you see yourself the hero long enough to become the villain, and you'll, you know, you'll find your redemption. And everybody in America loves a redemption story. They love seeing you have it, losing it, and then getting it again. I mean, LeBron is a story like that. So that's what I thought. Mm, about I don't
1: clearly, I, I, I don't see it that way okay. as far as um, selling your soul, having to sell your soul just to create a legacy. Like the question is for me, the way I see it is, do I have to sell my soul or not? Is that is that a strategy that I think is good? What's selling your or, soul mean? Um, Doing something without integrity. You know, like you said, Oprah, like you keep bringing up Steve Harvey.
2: Wait till you hear this. Wait till you hear this. You
1: know, when uh, I would I would rather be Dave Chappelle than Kevin Hart. Right. Hmm. I rather do it my way than to capitulate to the power structure. You don't you don't have to you don't have to be an you know, four movies a year for four years just to get money. Like, how much money do you need? I'd rather be Dave Chappelle and take a few years off, get away from the power structure. Don't allow them to corrupt my soul and who I am as a man, because I got to sleep at night and I know how I'm built. So I I would rather operate on integrity and keep my soul intact as opposed to selling out and doing everything and having to buck dance and put on a dress and do all these things just to keep my spot as the top Negro in Hollywood. I'll be Dave Chappelle. I'll go to Africa for a few years. I'll come back, let them align me in the, in the press, have my quote unquote legacy tainted. But the legacy is what you make it. Mm-hmm. So if your legacy is integrity and instead of me making 500 million over the course of my career i made 75 or 100 or 125 million how much how much do i need my legacy is my legacy how much your quality of life really improved between those two exactly and so you talk about did dave chappelle have to sell his soul to be the best comedian no he didn't have to and he did not and he is who he is and we revere him because of it
2: before you even got that show on Comedy Central, mm-hmm. there, it could be argued that for that first season, he did have to do something without integrity to be able to get his foot in the door. I think about Keenan Peele that same way. Jordan Peele, they literally knew that they were taking Dave Chappelle's brainchild mm-hmm. and making making it do what they made it do, right? Mm-hmm. Now, through that, we are able to have movies like Us that I'm really looking forward to seeing mm-hmm. um, Get uh, get out. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really important movie culturally. For sure. But we wouldn't have seen that movie unless he sold out. So, what yeah, I, I mean, that's you, what I mean. Like, you, you, say you, can't- that, you say that, but
1: we don't know because he took that route first. I'll liken it to this. So, let's say I'm doing Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. Uber has a, um, has a promotion where if I hit three rides, Three consecutive rides without logging out, I'll get a $6 bonus, right? And so I can choose to, art. right, I'm only going to get Uber rides for this next whatever so I can hit this bonus real quick. So I'm not going to turn on Lyft because if I turn on Lyft, I'm going to forfeit me hitting the $6 bonus, whatever, which is not not a lot, but it's like everything adds up over no time. Doubt. So boom. So I choose that. But then let's say in total... I waited thirty minutes outside of me doing my rides. I waited. I waited thirty minutes to get three consecutive rides, just because it just wasn't popping for Uber at that point in time. Now, I can say, yo, after this, after this two hour, hour and a, hour and a half that I drove, or nine, nine, three rides is about yeah, hour and twenty minutes, whatever. So this hour and twenty minutes I drove, I made forty bucks, right? So, so that's cool. But there was 30 minutes of downtime that I could have potentially made more money on the other. But end. I wanted that six bucks. Mm-hmm. Now, I could have. So I made that money It's like I wouldn't have made this money if I wouldn't have got this extra six bucks. I really only made 34. But that six made it 40. Now, let's say I didn't chase the promotion and I just did Uber and Lyft and took the first thing coming. And then I took a Lyft ride took two Lyft rides in an hour and 20 minutes and one Uber ride. And I got two $5 tips. So I made 34 in fares. And then that 10 in tips. You don't know what's going to happen unless you do it. So like I could have, and there are times where I will make more just doing both and just trying to get as, or let's say I got four or five rides instead of three rides. So it's like if I wouldn't have turned on both options, I don't know what I would have did. Right. But because I settled for that and I got what I got, Then the result. Well, I wouldn't have got this forty-six bucks if it wasn't for extra six bucks. But then I I I could have did something different. So we don't know if if Jordan Peele or whatever his name is, would have never made Get Out if he didn't sell out. He could have went a more integral route, use more integrity, and still put out that movie. Possibly, it's possible. But that's what I'm saying. Like we don't have to equate selling out to getting where you want to get. It may be a shortcut. But just because you got there in 2015 doesn't mean that you couldn't have got there in 2017 and it wouldn't have been just as impactful. So to me, selling out, selling your soul is just taking a shortcut as a going the long way. Nipsey Hussle is where he's at. He took the long way. way Nipsey could have signed with Rick Ross a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But he said, yo, I wanted to get it this way. He chose his route and he still hit the pinnacle. He still got a Grammy nod. He still is now revered as one of the top rappers in the world he would have got that clout earlier if he would have gave up some equity and gave it to rick ross and would have been on mmg but he got it on his own but if we would have said yo after nipsey signed with mmg bro he never would have made it
2: right
1: you say that because nobody was checking for him but he actually just made it in 2018 right so it took him six years longer but he still made it. so i see
2: yeah and i and i and i can I see that. I definitely see the difference, and that's a great way of explaining it, man. Thank you for bringing that. Thank you for bringing those two um, opposing possibilities, because yeah. you don't know. It's it's more about sticking to a plan, having a plan, and sticking to it. So I understand that for sure. Uh, um, that that's yo. I don't I don't know what else to say about that. That's a really <laughs> good way of uh, that's a really good way of putting that, man. I'm not I nicked you, you, bro. I nicked you. Yo, you got it, man. Yeah, <laughs> nicked you. Let's see what's next on the docket. Uh.
4: The ability to love their own children, oh, the ability which to from, love themselves, which is the same thing, sure. you know. And I didn't want that to happen, if I may say so, to you. It was not a matter of morals so much, as a matter of being forced, in my own case, to suggest, to keep suggesting that, though it was indeed you know, a matter of power, power without. The word morals is misleading. Power without power without some sense of oneself is simply another kind of sterility. And the black people would then become exactly what white people have become. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, there's a danger.
2: Mm. I thought that that was really poignant because we talk about the master-slave dynamic. And what's going on now is it seems like the, the people that are without seemingly have a lot of authority right now. Or at least it's being correlated to a few. The people that are without have a lot of authority. Um, the people, okay, the, the Me Too movement, right? Um, Time's Up movement. The white, people that are so white women, okay. the people that are historically, you know what I mean, without without so, voice and influence mm. have voice and influence right now. Okay. And what I think is, and it, okay, let's speak about white women it seems that that's how I equate it white women are becoming the white men of right now as in if you're not doing it this way the way that the white woman has prescribed it you are going to regret it because this is the way that it needs to be done and that is again that's the master that's the slave becoming the master and do you think that that is a fear of the black community or a fear of what the black community could do because those that are in power, are I mean, there's only so many options that you have when it comes to certain situations. The fear, fear from whose side of it? Like, who's fearing what? Black people. Us. Us do as a community. Fear do fear? No, do you fear that if... Okay, let's say something like reparations. Do you feel if something like reparations were to happen for our community, $200 trillion are given to the people that have had at least four generations of people living in this country or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, two, three, or whatever. Do you... Are you? Does that make you excited, or does that make you uh, nervous about the community? I would never be
1: nervous. What do you mean by that? Why, why would I be nervous about getting what what was what I deserve? Because it's not just <laughs> you. I would not be nervous about
2: that. You wouldn't be nervous about what no. about the changes that would happen in in your in the lives of your children. No, no. The nervous of- about getting the money that I that's due to me.
1: Mm-hmm. No,
2: I okay. want my money. Why why would I why, why would I not want my money? I don't get it. What I'm okay, so when I say that, let me make it. I'm putting a way That I, I guess I can put, uh, give it to you.
1: I could see a, a white person being nervous that a, a black man is economically liberated, but I don't. I don't. Want, I don't know why a I'm black man would be the, nervous about the, the liberation economic.
2: because the liberation is mental first. Well, you not, can become a millionaire I say, without. I said
1: economic, economic. I'm not talking about in the mind as the community. Yeah, I'm just saying if you get if you get the check, so that means you're kind of liberated from having to you know, live check to check. If you get like, yo, I just, I just got $50,000. Like I could quit my job. I can, I can start, can a, I can, I can start can a business. You? I'm not saying like, don't bring in income, but I can quit my job and start a business and X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Like people, you have options. When you have money, you have options. That's all I'm saying. So if you get economically, now I won't say liberated. That's probably too strong of a word. But if you get compensated for that, which is due to you, then it's going to help out a lot of people's situations. So, oh, I can buy a house now. Oh, I can have more control over my life. I can control my destiny. I can get out of debt. You know, I don't have to owe anybody. I don't have to pay anybody. I could just pay myself every time I get a paycheck. I can actually save money. No, I'm not nervous about black people being able to save money, being able to buy homes, being able to start businesses. I'm no nowhere near nervous about that. Like, that's an oxymoron for me, the way I see it. When it comes to something like redlining,
2: right, Mm -hmm. redlining didn't say black people couldn't afford to buy houses in specific neighborhoods, right? Mm -hmm. Redlining said that there were procedures in place to keep black people from doing certain things, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So the money was irrelevant. There were black people that had money that still couldn't buy houses in certain places. For sure. There were black people that had money that still couldn't get loans for businesses. Mm -hmm. There were black people that are doing all these different things, Mm -hmm. right? So... When I say that the, libera- the liberation of black people isn't going to come, the, the economic liberation won't come with money. It will definitely come with education. And giving a child, a, motor- giving a giving a 16-year-old a motorcycle isn't going to give them a higher respect of the road. You're not teaching them how to or they don't you don't even have to teach them there hasn't been enough learned that learn themselves you know what i mean they're not but a, these but to be honest like the level of economic education or
1: is there's a lot of economic ignorance across all spectrums okay most people in general don't know about money yeah you're right about that White people on welfare, black people on welfare. White people go go bankrupt, black people go bankrupt. The only difference is that they have it to pass down and we don't. That's the only difference. They make mistakes. They do stupid stuff. But they have, for one, they have the complexion for the protection. So when things happen to them, they can get out of jams. Um, They aren't targeted. They aren't preyed upon. But they also have, have vacation homes. They have trust funds. They have you know, parents with big life insurance policies. Like they have all of that stored up. So it's not about education on that sense. They just have it. You know what I mean? Like
2: George Bush was born into it. Right. He wasn't smart. He Obama, was just, Obama's the same way. Definitely born into it. Like they were groomed for these kinds of lifestyles. And
1: Well, I don't, I don't know about Obama's life and how he was raised, but I know that George Bush was born into money
2: and, and power and influence and Absolutely. power and influence yeah, for sure.
1: So, He wasn't smart. Trump, as far as I know, he wasn't. He's not smarter or he's not more. I won't say smarter. He's smart, but he's not intelligent. (laughs) Um, But he but he he was also born into it. Right. His parents weren't broke. So he had something passed down and he did something good with what he was passed down.
2: So at that, the, at the end of the day, first,
1: man. but at the end of the day, when you say, you know, if you give a, mo- a teenager a motorcycle, that doesn't make him respect the road more. Like, I don't think I wouldn't equate black people to a teenager with a mo- motorcycle. When just, it comes I to
2: economic education. Yes. No, I would.
1: no, 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 no. I, I would say like any group of people, there are a subset of people that have the knowledge that make the decisions that benefit the whole and there's a subset of people that just follow after they just follow the leader and whatever the leader can do and if the leader is whatever Malcolm X and he's great then that greatness will trickle down if the leader is MLK and he's great then we're all elevated because of the greatness of MLK if our leader is Diddy and he can share that and infuse that into people, then everybody up under him will quickly catch on to what he's doing. Just like Dame Dash, bro. Everybody that Dame Dash touched or that, yeah, everybody that he touched that he had an influence in, they've done well for themselves business wise, not just musically, but business wise. And they've been stars and they've been successful for a long time. So it only takes a few people to be able to guide a few people to influence more people Mm -hmm. (laughs) you see Mm -hmm. what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so to look for me for to look negatively at giving people compensation as if it's going to ruin them to me that's a that's an effect of white supremacy Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to think that we don't know what to do we can't take care of ourselves if we are given
2: what we need they're just going to ruin it anyway right and that's and that's see like integration right this is this is what i like in reparations too integration looks great on the front end but we had no idea as a community the price it would have cost reparations and i think that who, is not linked to that bro i'm i'm not saying they're linked but i'm saying look at what happened at this point in american history when Americans wanted to fight for something, Americans said, black Americans said, we are due to be able to eat, drink, sit, rent all the same places that white people do. Mm-hmm. When that happened, when that was the collapse of black economic power, right? I am not saying that they are linked, but I'm saying We need to be equal. We need to learn from history and say what these people are trying to give us Mm. Trojan horse. There's a Trojan horse in here somewhere. No, bro. They are not trying to just give something away. Reparations is literally them giving something. And I don't think when you're dealing with people that, again, we talk about this system and how it dominates, this system isn't going to give without already having a predetermined way of getting all that back. Do you disagree with that?
1: I mean, they could have a, a a scheme in place, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't give what's due.
2: You mean to tell me I shouldn't be compensated? But but for me, oh, I don't I say can, you I, shouldn't be compensated. I don't say you should be written a check. This is the only difference in that. Mm-hmm. I say a check is the lot that doesn't teach economic power, that doesn't build wealth. I don't care. Mm. That's that's not that's not the issue. We're not
1: we're not saying hey, America build wealth wealth for black for descendants of slaves. But for but in this conversation between you and I. You are disconnected from this conversation, to be honest. Like, it's not about you. It doesn't affect you. So it's easy for you to say that because you're on the outside looking in because you're not a descendant of a slave. So you can say, well, as far as I can see, you know, these black people in America, they're not going to get it right anyway. So why give them the money anyway? They're just going to fuck it up. You say
2: these and them as if I'm not one of the people that are in this country that are dealing with white supremacy in America. No, I'm saying reparations doesn't affect you. But... America has affected my mentality on my ideas of reparation.
1: I get it. And so I'm saying America has affected your mentality. So your mentality is this is going to ruin them. They don't even need that. They can't handle that. They need education before they need money. That's how you think it. Because America has framed that thought process about black people for you.
2: And, how was How was that different from you? From me? How was my framing? How, how does America frame black people different for me than you? Well, in
1: this in this equation mm-hmm. yes, where we're getting what is due,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like MLK said we coming for that check and they killed that nigga shortly after mm-hmm. that. I'm coming for that check too. I'm going to get what's due to me. I'm I'm not going to turn away what is due to me. You know how many people have gotten reparations from the US government? Mm-hmm. How many groups of people? Japanese. Japanese
2: That's the most wild to me. The The Jews, like people that were in a part of the Holocaust. Right.
1: You mean to tell me the Jews shouldn't get the money that they're due? You mean to tell me the Japanese shouldn't get the money that they're they're due? It's going to ruin them. Has it ruined the Japanese? Has it ruined the Jews? So why all of a sudden? Because black people get it. Oh, it's going to ruin us.
2: Do you want to talk? Is that a rhetorical question? No, that's a real question. So the real question is: first of all, that money is much well i'm not even going to say what's going on with that money i would say that there is ways to build economic wealth outside of america right mm-hmm. so that 28 million dollars whatever japanese people got in america for being in internment camps was used equally in america as it was in japan i'm not even going to go with that because that's all still that's all still um hearsay mm-hmm. i don't know I don't know. All I'm saying is, no one has ever dealt with integration the way Black people in America have dealt with integration. And based off integration and what integration did to mm-hmm. America's wealth, America, Black people, Black Black people's wealth in America, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't want any gift from America for Black people.
1: But maybe that again, maybe that's just <laughs> how me. could you as a person that is considered Black, even though you're not necessarily Black, according to the construct, but in in America, because like if they're reparations for black people, you wouldn't be a part of that. But how could you say that you're not
2: for it? And again, the check. So Patrice O'Neal is one of my favorite comedians of all time. And what Patrice said, he said, yo, black people have already been slaves in this country, right? Income tax is because America is debted to the banks, right? So what income tax is, is you are paying America's debt to the banks. So black people have already paid, have already been indebted to, I mean, black people have already Um, been enslaved by America, so absolve black people from income tax. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is genius. Because think about your income and think about how that could change your income when you don't have to pay, let's say taxes across the board. No sales tax, no income tax. Taxes. Mm -hmm. That doesn't put a motorcycle in a kid's hand, but that does empower black people in a way that is lasting. In a way that you can absolutely see the benefit of that. I'm not saying cut somebody a check and just be like no write them off that's it. No. For the next 450 years, black people that are in America that have three or four generations whatever you agree upon, do not have to pay income tax. Again, for the until, you know, until the the equation balances out or whatever. Yeah, but that's that, that's, that's what just, I think is that's not the compensation that I say black people absolutely no, but that's a, that's a conversation
1: that can be convoluted because then you just have a whole bunch of white people trying to have babies with American descendants of slaves, and then that money can be funneled to them. Then they get a divorce and boom, they still got. We're not whatever. worried about them My kids are now black. We're not worried. We're not <laughs> no, worried about are No, but look,
2: that, that's what I'm saying. There's a loophole to that. So that's there's why always I always going there's always going to be a loophole to every law that you make.
1: No, there's it's not. Al- you can't you can't loophole your ancestry. In, in in this case yes, of a one time of a one time payout of a one time payout, someone will. You can't you can't loophole it for four hundred years. Bro, if we're they getting, can do that at Native American
2: reservations, they can definitely do that for this check. What are you talking about? But like, this check could absolutely be. Half the, you know what I mean? Half the people that aren't descendants or people that are descendants for two generations or people that are descendants from Haiti and came over here because they're occasional. There are so no, many no, people no, no, that are going to no, no, be able no, no. to take this money uh, the, besides the, the, the black rep- Americans. All right.
1: So let's, let's frame the reparations talk. The reparations talk would be... What I'm talking about for reparations is American descendants of slaves. Yes. Not descendants of slaves from other countries.
2: And I'm, so I'm saying people will take advantage of that check. Every law that you make, there's going to be a loophole. You can say... Only people... Three or four generations of American black families can take this check. Somebody, somebody that looks like me from Nigeria is going to come and become a Johnson and be able to get that check. There's always going to be a loophole. That's fine. And that's what I'm saying. With that's the, fine with if the, black the people take advantage. Tax. But I'm
1: saying I don't I'm want
2: white the people. Tax, I want no $5 people, Indians. That's, everybody, that's what I'm about. Everybody's going to take advantage of it. You're going to see Patel Johnson, Patel Smith, Patel Jones. You're going to see everybody. No, but you can
1: you can trace Patel. You you can't say that somebody Patel whatever has their their ancestors were here in the 16, 17, 1800s. That's easy. that's easy, bro. Come on now.
2: 16, 17, 18. You couldn't prove that you were here 16, 17, 1800s. You can only prove that you're here, how many generations? Four generations? Five?
1: So that's, we're not, we're that's, all, any, that's all it is. 16, 1700s? 1700s? 1800s? Bro, my, my grandfather was born in like 18... Your grandfather? Yeah. He died when he was like 95 years old. Your father, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I got you. Yes, right. He was a sharecropper, right? And eighteen sixty-five was when his 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 grandfather was his father was alive. My great grandfather was alive in the mid eighteen hundreds. Gotcha. And when was the Emancipation Proclamation? Yeah, eighteen sixty-five. Yeah. So if if my if my grandfather, let's see, he died in two, like maybe ten years ago. He was ninety-five years old. So I think he was born in. He was either born early, like the first part of the twentieth century,
2: like Great Depression,
1: or eighteen ninety seven, something like that. Okay, but he, like, he worked in the tobacco field in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. His father, so my great grandfather, was a sharecropper. So my great grandfather, that's damn near slavery. So my great great. Goes back to that's not that's so it's what three generations. It's three generations right there. It's not that long ago, bro. Like it, it's not like slavery was so long. Yeah, I can't. I don't know who. I don't. I don't know if we can trace it back to 1600s, but I can definitely go back three generations easy. And, and we have uh, we got records. <coughs> Our family has records. I always bro. I wonder how. Like, how did your <laughs> great grandfather
2: keep records? Do you even do you know like the, the their, sharecropper? Their,
1: their, their family. I mean, I, I went to the first time I went to a um, um a family reunion of that side. In North Carolina, like they have so much documentation of what where our family came from mm-hmm. and they and they trace us back to actually to Haiti. Right. That's one of our like our great, 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 great grandmother came here from Haiti um, and she was a sl- enslaved in North Carolina and then she got married to, you know, so so we can trace it back. Pre America. Mm. So we can we can go back but my family has records back in in the north carolinas gotcha and you know i take my ancestry test and it links me back to north carolina south carolina you know 1800s like my my genes my gene pool is there so you can take a a dna test and to even show that your gene pool is there so i mean it's not it's not that hard and then if i need to get documentation we can go back there. I can go to another family reunion and get all that information. And actually, my dad has a lot of information at the house, so it's not hard to trace. It's not like something that it can't be done. It can be done. Mm-hmm. They know it can be done. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to do it. Got it. But give me what's due to me. I want my compensation.
2: That's all. I mean, no, I absolutely agree. Compensation. There's yeah. no. There's no disagreement between that. It's. It's. I. I the only reason I say the check is because Kamal. Is it Kamala Harris who was talking about? <laughs> Elizabeth right, Warren, somebody say, was talking about what Kamala Harris had to say. $220 trillion yeah. in compensation? Yeah. Where you know what I mean? Like who are you blowing smoke to, man? Like who who are you even joking with a number like that? So it can't be done? Two hundred trillion dollar check? Bro, how much did they bail out Wall Street for? Maybe a hundred billion dollars. So what? Two hundred trillion dollars mm-hmm. from America's GDP. Do it. It's due. China's going to get their money before you get your money. America owes China billions. China's going to get their money before. But But I'm saying, again, there is no like taking away from something. I don't
1: care trying to get their money. Give me my money. From who? Pay what you owe And that's another thing, too. (laughs) Pay what you owe. Who's going to
2: make America pay you that money? America. What? (laughs) What? Who is going to make America pay you that money? I don't know who's going to make them, but just do it. All right, <laughs> okay, just do it, bro like what that, bro. Well, so you you want somebody to go to war with America for them to cut a check, bro look at what America and China are going through these embargoes and stuff like that because China is starting to call America's debt in, and America and China are on a this is a soft war that's going on across the Pacific. Bro, let right
1: China now. take over, bro I'm going to Ghana anyway, so yeah, give me give that, me my bro. check and I'm going to ghana the, the, yeah the- <laughs> the Chinese will meet you there because they're already there that's fine no, i' rather I would rather them meet me in the homeland Than over no, here, bro. Not
2: homeland. So it's a totally different... It's
1: hey, a, it's a totally I'll take it. I'd yeah. rather die in the motherland, bro, than yeah, yeah, die bro. in the other land. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Real bro, quick, bro. before we transition to the next clip, um, a history of reparation payments. So, let's go back to 1952. Germany paid out $822 million to Holocaust survivors. 1971, USA paid $1 billion plus 44 million acres of land to Alaska natives. A land settlement payout. 1980. The USA paid $81 million to the Kalamaths of Oregon. Interesting enough. Um, 1985, $105 suit Sioux of South Dakota was paid out. 1985, $12.3 million paid out to the Seminoles of Florida. 1985, $31 million paid to the Chippewas of Wisconsin by the USA. 1986, the USA paid $32 million. I guess from a treaty that they broke in 1839 to the Ottawa's of Michigan. 1988, Canada paid 230 million to Japanese Canadians. 1988, Canada paid 250,000 square miles of land to Indian Eskimos, Indian and Eskimos. Um, 1990, 1. 1.6 billion was paid to Japanese Americans. That wasn't a lot of people. That
2: wasn't a lot of people.
1: And they paid out 1.6 billion in 1990. Well, all I'm saying is it can be done. All the excuses that you might want to make is what they want us to say or those that are against us so don't don't no, side I'm not, I'm not siding with them don't I'm, playing, side I'm saying i'm saying what
2: they're gonna that's with their argument that the is the devil no one's <laughs> no one's siding with them but don't we're just advocate, presenting. don't advocate we're brother. saying that that is exactly what they're gonna say to us you don't have I'm to sell your soul on this one bro no one has to but what we're talking about is how this is what their arguments are going to be any great debate i don't care what mo- their
1: arguments are going to be i know their arguments are care. going to be
2: trash bro you can't say you don't care bro because no, the, I don't care. All I care
1: about is the end result. They can argue all they want. I why know do you that, think I know Japan that got gonna, its payout? Why do you know. think Japan, Japanese Americans well, got well, their payout? Well, Japan has a, they have their own military. Why do
2: you think? The, why do you think the Jews got their payout? I don't know because they're white. Okay. So these are all these are all the questions that we have to ask and that we have to plan on hearing. Beforehand, there is no, I don't care, just give me this. That's not how any of this works. I'm properly. not
1: saying it's going to work. I'm not saying I have the plan to be able to get us reparations, but I'm saying if we get reparations, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's not, there's nothing negative about
2: compensation that is due. There is nothing negative about compensation? Absolutely. Nothing Absolutely. negative
1: about it? Absolutely. We can both agree. And on we that. should get what we deserve. And if you think that we shouldn't get what we deserve, but what, what, and, what makes you monetary say that? Oh, okay, compensation? Okay, 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 okay. In monetary conversation, mm-hmm. if you think that we don't get what we should, what we deserve, then you are siding with the white supremacists. Okay, that that's, that's is a very—that's very, how I see it. That's okay, how I see it.
2: and i am glad that this is going to come up because I'm sure that other people see it that way, and I hope that we can create a dialogue around that it's because a very that is not an
1: issue It's going to be talked about a lot during this upcoming season it's not uh, it's not going season.
2: anywhere it's not it's not going anywhere like yeah. the con- ap- reparations absolutely is not going to be a topic of conversation you know it not, is. not it is. We have, it's starting to be unless a topic of black conversation people start right owning prisons unless black people start owning you know what I mean all the things that are actually making us Why would we are we putting prisons? us in, because these are billion dollar industries, how is America going to pay you $200 trillion, 220 dollars without? <laughs> it's like monopoly. <laughs> They're going to have to go to the bank with all these different arms. Um, like, yo, all right, well, I own that. I'll, I'll mortgage that. I'll mortgage that. Mortgage that. There is, there is a, an actual conversation that can be had and how to create American wealth, how to create Black wealth in America, right? Claude Anderson talks about it all the time. Umar Johnson talks about it sometimes. There are plenty of Black intellectuals that speak about what it is. Claude Anderson, all he talks about is reparations. Right. <laughs> but in, in <laughs> he generating talks about that wealth. All the time, and he's bro. the he's the one that told me, Don't cut me no check. Claude Anderson talks about it all the poweronomics is is beautiful. There is no cut me a check idea in mm-hmm. powernomics. Cause mm-hmm. he's the one that said, like we're just gonna spend it on this and that. Look at what we already spend money on. Fake hair. You know what I'm saying? Like look at all the look at all the different things that we already spend money on. We barely have the income. We have the GDP of whatever whatever whatever, but we still can't funnel it into wealth generationally. So, that's what I'm not saying that black people don't need to get reparations. I absolutely think that's positive. To say that because I don't think that a check is effective that I'm siding with white white supremacy is that's that's just a conversation. I'm like, "All right, if you think that, there is nothing else that needs to be said about that."
1: Okay, so let me let me reframe that if I if I took your interpretation. So, I'll let you say exactly what type of reparations you think is suitable, that you think will be the best possible
2: The route. The idea that I didn't come up with, that I heard, mm-hmm. that I think helps generate wealth mm-hmm. is exemption from taxes. Tax exemption. Because of the fact that America is a slave to the bank, mm-hmm. to the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. we pay taxes to the Federal Reserve on America's behalf. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: America has owned slaves. Black people have already been slaves to America. They don't need to be slaves to America again. Mm. Take black people out of the conversation of taxes. And I think that that is a part of your income that is wealth generating without giving you because okay, you give people you give people all of a sudden this person's a hundred thousand there, damn, that person's gonna be in this tax bracket. Boom, forty percent of your income is gonna be taken away. There's all these ways that people are gonna take this money away. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying don't give them these opportunities. Black people don't know money. We don't as a community, I'm a black person that has no idea how money works. Mm-hmm. So I know that once I get a check of fifty thousand dollars, boom, I'm upgraded to this tax bracket mm-hmm. that i have no preparation for i don't know how to donate this and to create this you know what i'm saying like there is they're just going to get it back man this is all going to it's all just going to be funneled back into their system because okay, that's I, I what integration did okay so let's not give us a check that is pointless in my opinion mm-hmm. let us find a way of generating wealth that would be lasting a check in it
1: okay so that's a check, th- a check ain't it? A i can check ain't i can dig that i mean if i didn't have to pay taxes that would be great come on man that, i mean that that would be great but i but I also believe this is this is ideal no taxes and a signing bonus guarantee <laughs> <laughs> guarantee so i signed i signed a fifty four million dollar check and i won twenty seven guarantee you know what i mean because because if if they'cause because just think about the white supremacists for a second. You got all these people who not paying taxes. That's not gonna be a slave to your to your country anymore. Uh-huh. Now what am I gonna do? Uh-huh. You think they was putting niggas in jail before? You thought they was killing white killing black people that are unarmed before? We're Man, st- they they gon' they really gonna try to exterminate oh, cats. They bruh.
2: already are.
1: I know, but they, it just takes it to a new level when you have this when you have this when you have this people that really don't have any true rights. I mean we have rights, but we aren't treated equally, of course. And so they already whatever. So like we're we're a part of the system, like we're profitable to them to a certain extent because of
2: black working. bodies, because yeah, be- of taxes. Yeah, because of taxes. Because of what you can donate to the because system.
1: Of ta- so then you take that tax base away from them, then that's I feel like that's right and that's sealing your fate. It's over. You, you see what I'm saying? That's, that's why I just I over. want I, I want I want my money up front. I don't want the long game because the long game for me just means the extermination of my people. Because mm-hmm. now that we're not paying taxes, we they really don't want us a part of the the country mm-hmm. because they can't do anything with us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like to me, I I don't think it's realistic that they would exempt black people from. T- I don't think that's realistic. So well, so what so, so what what, I, what I think is realistic is a, a pay just a payout. So whatever the number is, boom, you cut the check and it's over. Just end it in the conversation, in the discussion, in the the battle back and forth. Just cut the check and it's over. And then you pay taxes back into it. If people want to stay, if you want to stay afterwards, then everything is on. You can't, you can't complain about taxes. You can't complain about X, Y, and Z because you've been given what's been owed to you. We complain a lot about what happens because we have, we know at the end of the day, we haven't gotten what's been, what's been due to us. And so we're here and we're still with man. bro, we got to get what's due to us, bro. we got to get our, we got to get our check. Like at the end of the day, that's what we want. That's what MLK wanted. And when he woke up and he realized that integration was trash, and he realized that all these other people was getting paid and we weren't and we were nonviolent and we did everything right. And they still disrespected us. He's like, yo, I'm about to go to Washington and I'm coming for that check. And he was dead probably less than a month after he said
2: that. Did you see the the documentary on Sam Cooke on Netflix? No. So Sam Cooke was one of those guys as well. But when when it comes to the, um the music industry mm-hmm. He wanted black people To own their own publishing Way back when when You know what I mean Like mm. when gospel artists Were making a crossover Into pop music mm-hmm. Because they wanted You know what I mean Like mm-hmm. they could do All these different things In pop They could be bigger in pop yep. He created a system To where he wanted Black people to own their own And I think that's Really really important mm-hmm. There was no buyback. There was no This person stole This person stole We need to get Some of their wealth This was Yo Whatever happened Right now We need to be able to Um generate something new out of this we can't Mm. go back to the old Mm. i think that the check is a novel idea if you had a plan or if you had a cohesive culture but because neither of those exist that money is just going to be siphoned away from black people and i would hate to see that happen because after that money is siphoned away then black people really have you you know i mean like they silenced you and they took that away you know what i'm saying and i just think that that's going to be really really i think that's one of the most unfortunate things um but you ex- but you gotta cut the check. When you wrong, what happened what happened with Cap? Hmm,
1: they cut the check. They ha- you have to. That's how you end the that's how you end the settlement. So now he can come back on a clean slate. Now that he's been paid back everything that he's lost, now I can really make a true informed decision and not have any guilt or have any whatever towards this whole league or system. That screwed me over for the past two, three years. Yo, you guys blackballed me. It's been documented. We have emails. We have recorded. We have whatever they had. They had the evidence. Yo. I'm going to get what's due to me. This is what I would have made. I'm going to sue you for however much. They say, all right, look, you got us.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. All right. We're not going to go to trial with this. We're not going to drag this out. We're going to cut you. We're going to end this.
2: Don't talk about it. You cut the check and we move forward. Does it end, though? Does that collusion and blackballing end?
1: It does now because they know they can't do it again. Say that again? They know they can't do it. I mean, if they can do whatever they want, but like if they do it again, you already know what the penalty is. So if you do it again, the penalty is going to be greater. So just be more careful is what they're going to do. That's what they always do.
2: Right, so they learned just like uh what's the, what but, the basketball, at, the, at the end the, basketball of the day, team owner at the end of the
1: day, justice is served because he got what he was supposed to get and probably got a little bit more because of what they did, so they paid for it, and it's and that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to fight for it, and then you and then the person that did wrong is supposed to pay and compensate for that with which they took away. Now, if Colin Kaepernick spends that money, in in 90 days who cares that's on him but but he did what was supposed to be what, what was supposed to be done mm-hmm. and the league did what they were supposed to do which was pay that man they got caught doing wrong they knew it was wrong he knew it was wrong everybody knew that it was wrong
2: sure before they did it they caught, he was caught i mean they before they did it they knew it was wrong he wasn't the only person that i happened to but because he had enough evidence to prove in court mm-hmm. Then he got compensated. The league is, hey, they've paid their penance. Mm-hmm. He has got his compensation. Mm-hmm. The conversation is over. We no longer need to talk about collusion or blackballing in the league. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. I mean, you, you
1: deal with it on a case by case, but you're not going to talk about something that's not happening or that there's no evidence of it or there's, there's nothing happening. Like, why, why am I going to talk about blackballing when there's no blackballing going on right now? You deal with it on a case by case basis. This case came up. That's wrong pay him pay eric reed all right don't do it again boom and then you just move on you got to move on but you can't move on until that gets settled Mm -hmm. so that's what i'm saying with america and its relationship to american descendants of slaves we not gonna move on ain't nobody gonna be able to move on until the check is cut
2: oh america's moved on let's not make any qualms about it america is not sitting here suffering because black people are suffering Black people are the only ones suffering in this situation. And I believe that America is going to turn up the juice, whatever we're going to call it, if black people get some kind of compensation. But I just want it to be effective. How much more juice can be turned if you, just, telling if you just you.
1: get a check? If, 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 the black people, if, you, if you're 100% correct, you and Dr. Anderson, if and Dave Chappelle for that matter, if all we're going to do is give it right back to them, then how is that a bad thing? and in, in there as far as what will happen to America if you give black people this money and 65% of it comes right back to you mm-hmm. how is that a loss it's not a loss for black people it is okay but I'm just saying you're saying for white people they're they not going to do it because as as if it's a negative thing for them but it's not a negative thing for them if what you're saying is correct it's only a negative thing for black people but that's okay we have to take ownership of what we do and if we lose because we make bad decisions that's on us but give me the opportunity put me in the game that's all i'm saying put me in the game bro give me my money i can't control what 13 other million people do with their money but as for me and my house bro we gonna flourish (laughs) you see what i'm saying so it's just like yeah i can't control what everybody else is gonna do but i know
2: what should be due to me when does it become a, when does it stop becoming a me conversation and becoming and start becoming an us conversation? Especially it is, with It is a me conversation
1: because I'm an individual and I can't control whatever other people do.
2: But individually you have not suffered from slavery. Yes, what I have. You're, yes, what, I have. You've suffered from the My whole family has. You the individual. Yes. How did you, the individual, suffer from slavery? Slavery, because, not not the because system Because I'm
1: here in this situation. This situation was created by slavery. This company, this country is what it is. It is a company, but but, uh, this country, this this corporation of the United States of America is what it is because of slavery. So So I am so so I am here because of slavery. I don't know when my people came here. I don't know when they you know what if I if my ancestors were part of the first wave in the 1600s or another wave in the 1700s. I don't know when exactly. I know, actually, I know when my great-great-great-great-grandmother, but I don't know about my grandfather, and I don't know about both sides. I just know about one side of my family. So I don't know when we got here, but I know that my family came here and we were subject to these conditions because of slavery. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for slavery, for the most part, I could could be part indigenous, but for the most part, I'm here because of the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much better my life could have been if I never if my family never would have been tainted by slavery. I don't know what type of king or prince I could be. You see what I'm saying? I so do. if it, you can look at it as a as a, well, shoot, I mean, slavery ain't hurt you. You, you doing good or it's I guess, you, or,
2: but I'm saying just the, comp- no, you're talking do, about me. You say how, how do we, how move been, from you to we, that's what, that's the question. How, how do we, we all, move it from, what do you mean? You say, I'm going to flourish me and my family. Yeah. Because I can't control this. that.
1: I can't control it. So I can't speak and say what everybody else's can do. If, if I knew what everybody else could do, then I would be God. <laughs> I don't know what everybody else is going to do. And I can't I'm not responsible for everybody else, for people that I don't know. I know what I know. And I know if I get that check, I'm going to do good things with it. Hmm. And so I know that I'm due that check. So why wouldn't I have that check? Why shouldn't I have that check? We all have to individually think that way. Why shouldn't I have that check? I Hmm. should. I should be compensated. And we all collectively know that we should be compensated, and if we all collectively go after it and get what we deserve, there's nothing wrong with that
2: nope. you got to you got get in the game, yes, I totally agree with that man. you got to get in the game, but I guess the question is how how are you getting into the game are you are you getting into the game with a favor or are you getting into the game with it's not a favor it's compensation okay it's not a hand this is not this is not
1: a government uh Assistance. Assistance. This isn't welfare. This is compensation. Just like the reparations that all those other people, it's not not that the government did them favor. They owed them that money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not that Colin Kaepernick got a handout. They owed him that money. He was assisted. I mean, like, they, they gave it to him. No, he he owed, they owed him that money. He would have made X amount of dollars based upon his previous earnings. Right. So he got a cut. Eric Reed got it. I'm sure Eric Reed didn't get as much because he didn't make that much he didn't make as much as Colin. You know what I mean? If Colin made thirty million, Eric Reed probably made four or five million. You know what I mean? Because he was a safety and Colin was a was a quarterback. So that's just how the pay scale goes. Of course. So no, of course. so yeah, it that's not a handout. Colin Kaepernick didn't get a handout. He got what was due. There's nothing there's nothing negative about getting what's due to you. Yes, I agree. You should get what's due to you. And if you don't, that is wrong. That's bad. I agree with that. For so, sure. If I get what's due to me, that's just the beginning.
2: Instead of even asking how do you quantify what's due to you, what I want to ask is, I want to end this segment by asking. We we brought up Colin Kaepernick a couple times. Where? If Colin is, or Eric Reed, mm. if either of them are signed. Eric Reed is signed. Has he played his first game yet? He's been played. He played last year. Oh, where? Yeah, and he, just, he
1: got re-signed before that, that settlement even happened. He's been playing. Gotcha. Yeah. But Colin
2: hasn't. Colin hasn't, no. So if Colin... Gets signed. Mm-hmm. Starts this new year. Mm-hmm. It's new contract. Are you looking at him if he takes a knee or not?
1: I don't care. Mm. I don't care. I don't care if anybody takes a knee.
2: Word.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what up, y'all? Hope you have enjoyed so far what you heard. And uh next week we're gonna pick up right where we left off here with this conversation between me and Oba going deeper into the conversation that Nikki and James had. So holla at y'all next week. Y'all have a wonderful week. Grace and peace to you all.